Welcome to Passion Life Church. Amen. Today we continue our series that we started last week, and it's entitled, If God Can Use Anyone, He Can Use Me. Would you say that with me? Say, come on, if God can use anyone, He can use me. You know, you say, Phil, that's a powerful, that's a really powerful statement. Yep. And you know what? It comes out of our theme scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says, God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of his own purpose and grace and gave us that he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So it's God's desire not only to save us, but unfortunately, so many people stop there. So many people have never heard a message like this, that it's not just God's will to save us. How many of you are thankful for the salvation? That's amazing. That's what allows us to, to come to the Father. It's what allows us to go to heaven. But not only does he save us, he calls us. I want you to say this with me. Say, I'm called. And so the word call in the Greek means to invite. He invites everybody. The Bible says many are called. Many are invited. But you know what? Only a few show up at times because they don't realize that God is calling them. And he's calling them in line with the purpose that he has for them. And he wants to empower them with his grace. But my church family, if you'll look at me this morning, your purpose can only be found in Jesus Christ. That's why so many people are unfulfilled. It's why so many people are, un, are just miserable because they're trying to look for something. They're trying to look for fulfillment, but it's only found in the person who made you. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that I came to that revelation because I was at a church, at a church service like this, where somebody was talking about this. So if I want to find out more about what God has for me, I need to press in more to Jesus. Can I hear a good amen today? And so this calling is for his purpose and his grace. Your calling and your purpose go together and it's powered, empowered by God's grace in Jesus Christ. I just think that's so powerful. And so what we're doing in this series is we're looking at some people who God chose to use mightily. I mean, the people in the Bible, you know, we would call them heroes. But the truth is, when you look at their life, a lot of them didn't see themselves that way. To be honest, a lot of them saw themselves as underdogs. They were the underdog. And I think that's why we identify so much as with underdogs. Like, you know, we, under, we identify with some of the underdogs in the scriptures or we identify with some of the underdogs movies. We love it because oftentimes we see ourselves as the underdogs. But what God did is he took ordinary people and he empowered them to do extraordinary things that they could not do by themselves. They, that he empowered them to do that. And so what we're doing is we're looking at some people in the Bible because what happens with this underdog mentality is once you get into that, it can be a faulty mindset because you can start to have excuses of why God can't use you. So every week we're outlining one person. And last week we talked about Paul. Paul said, I was the chief of sinners. But yet God wanted to use his past as a platform for his testimony. And God, and through Paul, Paul wrote to Timothy, listen, don't be ashamed of your testimony. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. And so today we're going to look at King David. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 10. We're going to read that here in just a moment. But I asked myself with King David, I wonder what excuse could David have had? 
I mean, what excuse could he have had? Because again, sometimes this underdog mentality is prone to excuses. And the people that were looking at him all could have had excuses. But you know what? They got beyond their excuses, right? David was used mightily. You know, King David changed the world. Can I hear a good amen today? And you're called to change the world. But he changed the world. His nation, God used him to um, take his nation in a whole new direction. And he changed the face of the world from that time on. When you think about King David's life, I mean, it's so amazing because Jesus was a descendant. 42 generations after David came Jesus. Jesus came through the lineage of David. I mean, it's so amazing. But let me just say this. David was not a perfect person. He wasn't. None of us are perfect. You know, I think that's what we have. We think about sometimes that we have to be perfect for God to use us. But here's the thing about David. Long before he changed the world and led the nation in a whole different direction. And Jesus, you know, would become an, an ancestor of David. If you were to talk to David, he would tell you that in his teens, people didn't see a lot in his life. As a matter of fact, his own dad didn't recognize the calling and the purpose that he had in his life. His own family didn't. And so what could have been David's excuse? And today, here's what I want to talk about. David's excuse could have been this. I've been rejected by people. I've been rejected by people. And I wonder how many of us today are dealing with rejection. But I want to tell you something. Just because people have rejected you doesn't mean God does. I thought I'd get a better amen than that. Just because people have rejected you doesn't mean that God does. And so I want to set up this story before we read for Samuel chapter 16, verse 10. Israel had a king named Saul, and he had turned his back on God. And so God wanted a new king. And so he appoints a prophet by the name of Samuel to go to Jesse's house. And he tells Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's house. Now, Samuel doesn't have the name of the new king that he is going to anoint, but he just has Jesse's house. He just has the address. And so what happens is when he gets to uh, Jesse's house, he asks Jesse to bring out all of his sons. Well, you would think that Jesse would bring out all of his sons. He brings out seven of them. But the problem is, is that Jesse had eight sons. So, you know, David's not even considered. And so here's where we pick up is that all seven sons have come before uh, Samuel. And you know what? God didn't choose any of them. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 10. Have you found it? And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Jesus said, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent. And brought him. And now he was ready. This is talking about David. He was ready and he had beautiful eyes and he was handsome. All the ladies say, yeah. All right. Where are you at? Okay. Most of you are married. That's why you didn't respond. All right. Then Samuel. <laughs> and then Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him. This translation says rushed upon him. And David from, uh, from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, David had a calling on his life. He had a calling on his life. But yet his own dad didn't see what God saw in him. His own father didn't recognize that he had a king in his own family. See, to me, this is a challenge as a father. 
Because what we preach to you here today is just not some cool mission statement. We actually believe that each and every one of you is called and gifted by God. And I believe that about my son as well. My son, Gavin, who just turned 12, God has a a purpose for his life. God has gifts for his life. And I'm not gonna be like Jesse and have a king in my house and not recognize it. And so us, for parents, that's the thing. We've gotta ask God, God, you have entrusted me with this kid. And so you have a purpose for him. You have called him. So reveal to me, because that's the thing. See, many people, and this is not a course on parenting, but I wanna tell you, many of your kids are getting in trouble because they're bored, because they don't understand their purpose. And so if we can gear them in the, in the direction of their purpose, if we can gear them in the direction of their calling, my church family, you will be happy. And I will tell you this, they will be happy. Can I hear a good amen today? And so he has somebody who his son, David, who is a king, but Jesse doesn't see the king in him, you know, and he's not even invited to the party. I mean, you think this, this, think about this for a minute. It's a significant party. They are crowning the new king of Israel and David is not invited. I don't know if you've ever not been invited to a party. Sometimes you don't know you're not invited, but then they have those people that sometimes will just suggest to you, oh, hey, are you going to so-and-so's party? And you didn't even get it invited. But here's what I want to encourage you. See, my church family, God sees what people don't see. God sees what people don't see or can't see. And you know what? No one may have seen the call of God on your life growing up, even now. Maybe you don't even see the call of God on your life. But can I just encourage you? That doesn't mean that God didn't call you. Just because somebody didn't affirm you, just because somebody didn't validate you, doesn't mean that God didn't call you. You know what? He called and nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. And I love this because maybe nobody saw it in you and they don't see you coming, but God saw it in you. And here's what I want to encourage you today is that you need to see it. You need to see that you're not only saved, but you are called. And here's the reality. Let's just be honest. Many people will shy away from God using them in the capacity that God wants to use them because they don't want people to reject them. Because we don't like rejection. I don't like it. And you know, I've never talked to anybody who has. Nobody likes to be rejected. Nobody. But here's the reality, my church family. When God calls you, you're going to be faced with a couple of decisions. Number one, whose opinion are you going to believe about you? People's opinion or God's opinion? Here's another one, a decision we're going to have to be able to, be, to face. Are you going to be a people person, a people pleaser, or are you going to be a God pleaser? Are you ready? Here's another decision you have to make. Who sets the standard for your life? People or God? We have to respond to this. We have to respond to this. If you're going to be used mightily by God, and let me be clear, nobody likes rejection. But listen, we need to understand if we're going to be used by God, you will be rejected by some people. Now, let me just say this. Some of you already are. Some of you, some people don't like you just because you're you. Forget about the calling on your life. They just don't like that you're funny. They just don't like that you're beautiful. Come on. They don't just, they don't like that you're handsome. They just don't like you. They don't like you at work because you're outperforming them. Forget about the call on your life. But listen, if people are going to reject me, I would rather reject me than reject me because of the call on my life. Can I hear a good amen today? 
And so what we need to understand is that you will be rejected by some people. You know, what's interesting is, is funny because people are like, well, Pastor Phil, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody. I, you know, I don't want to reject anybody. Listen, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to be offended. Can I just tell you, everybody's already offended. You can't have a conversation with somebody after two minutes with them being offended. So, hey, let's have at it. If you're going to be offended, let's be offended over the right reasons. If we're going to be offended, I want you to be offended because you are rejecting God. I don't care about everything else, but if you're going to be offended because you reject God, I'm sorry. But the reality of it is you're going to have to make a decision. But I just want to get this on the table today. Everybody's already offended about something. People are mad today for no reason. Or maybe they're just mad at me and you guys aren't experiencing it. Right? I have to get off Facebook for a week, I guess. But if you're going to be used by God, you're going to have to overcome rejection. You're going to have to, or you never will walk into what God has for you. My church family, I remember as, as, a, as a, a young youth pastor, I did youth ministry for almost 20 or 30 years. And I remember in our previous church, we did uh, assemblies for students who, and we tried to help them get off drugs and we brought in rap groups and I, I would speak. And I remember, you know, right being in front of 1500 kids. And as I'm talking, like three or four kids up there are giving me the one way sign. You know what that is? It's the middle finger. As I'm preaching, right? I'm being rejected. My church family, they don't see the call of God on my life, but here's the thing. They didn't call me. God called me. Now, let me tell you something else. I didn't even call myself. I probably wouldn't have called myself, but you know what? God called me and you need to understand that they're going to reject you. Why can I say that? Because they rejected Jesus when he came. The Bible says this in, in John chapter one, verse 11, he came unto his own and his own received him not, but listen to verse 12, but as many that as received him, he gave to them the power of, to become the sons of God. So there will be some that will not receive, but I love this scripture because verse 12 says, but there will be some that will, and those that will receive, you know what? Their lives will change and they will receive the power to become the sons of God. Can I hear a good amen today? And can I just say that you're never going to please everyone? You're never, some of you, your families are already offended that you came to church today. They're offended that you come, what, what, are you, what are you doing? And you talk about giving and they're like, why you, you give in this economy? Have you seen gas prices? They're just offended. They're just offended. And you're never going to please everyone. That's why there's a little secret to my life. I'm just going to be me because I can't be you. Right. And if you don't like me, I'm sorry. God created me fearfully and wonderfully. Come on, look at this dad bod. He created you fearfully and wonderfully. But, you know, even in your presence, you're not going to please everyone. Can I just see a good wave? If you, if you understand what I'm talking about today, you can't please everyone. Now, if you try, the Bible says you're going to be trapped. You're going to be trapped. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says this, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord or puts his confidence in the Lord, watch, he will be exalted and safe. This word snare in the Hebrew means a trap. You're gonna get stuck. It actually means this, a hook or a noose. So me trying to please everybody 
all the time is like me putting a noose around my neck. That's how strong this is. And this is why we get stuck. Watch. Because it's an illusion that we can please everybody, but you can't. So you want to please everybody, but then you're not fully pleasing God. So you get stuck in your destiny. Now, I'm going to tell you, as insensitive as I may sound right now, I want to tell you, you may not believe this, but I do love people. I want to reach people. I'm called to reach people. But my church family, can I just be honest? In this day and age, people are not my standard. They're not my standard. God is my standard because he's the one who called me. And here's what I have found, that when you are a God pleaser, God will exalt you. This is what happened with David. The people that rejected him, his own father, had to watch his anointing service. His own dad had to watch Samuel say, you are the new king and pour oil on David. Listen, the Bible says that he was anointed in the midst of his brothers. Can I tell you also what Psalm 23 says? The Bible says this, that you prepare a table in the midst of mine enemies. I love this because it says, it says this, it says you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over So the Bible says that the people that reject you are going to have to watch God anoint you. That the people that reject you are going to have to watch God prepare a table in the presence of them. So you are going to be eating in the presence of your enemy. You are going to be walking in overflow while your enemies are watching. This is why for me, I I don't deal with my enemies. I'm just going to focus on the table that he puts in front of me. Now, let me tell you, I want to reiterate that I love people. I want to reach people. I'm here today for people because I, I want to see people walk in their calling. I want to see people save my church family. I don't want to see anyone go to hell. I don't want to see, I don't. I, I love people. But if you're going to make your standard people and their opinion, people have crazy opinions. And people will reject you. Some people won't even text you back. I'm trying to get accustomed to this new way of communication that if you ask somebody a question and they don't respond to you, that means no. And I don't know why you can't just say, hey, I'm sorry, I can't make it. But instead, we don't respond because I think we don't want people to get their feelings hurt that we're saying no. No, we're not getting your feelings hurt because you say no. We get our feelings hurt because you don't respond at all. I don't want them to think bad of me because I'm saying no. No, I think we think bad of you because you don't even even consider that we're texting you. And so I'm getting used to this because that's just the rule now, I guess. If you, I just don't want to say no, so I just won't respond. And you know what? If you don't care about me enough to respond to me, fine. But thank God you're not the standard for my life. Thank God that I'm not going to go, oh, people, people don't like me. No, people have their own concerns. People are living their own life. So what we have to do is we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. My church family, in my personal ministry, I have seen people healed. I have seen people, I have seen blind eyes open. I was in a service one time where a person came in and their leg was about this big, swollen. And after my friend, Benny Perez, prayed for him right in the middle, all of the swelling came down and it was purple and it came back to the skin color right in front of my eyes. I've seen too much to not believe. Didn't we see that? How many of you would read? We sang that today. 
But listen, I've also watched people walk out of church, leave the word of God. I've watched friends, my, some of my friends today are not even pastoring anymore. I've watched people reject Jesus. I've seen it all. I've seen it. I've seen it. And you know what, my church family? It wasn't people who called me. It was God who called me. And you cannot live by what people are doing because people are going all over the place. You have to press into Jesus for your purpose. Are you hearing me this morning? Although people, I love people, they're not my standard. Not everyone will validate the call of God on your life because not everybody sees what God sees. Even Samuel, my church family, when he comes to the house of Jesse, he looks at Eliab. Eliab is the first son. Is the first son. He's tall, like Marlon back there. Man, I, Marlon walked in today. I was like, man, and I have actually asked Marlon. I was like, are you getting taller or am I getting shorter? Because I, I don't know. I'm getting older. I think I'm shrinking because every time he walks up, I'm like, hey, man, I will always look up to you for the rest of my life, right? And so here comes this strong gentleman, right? And you look at Eliab. That's what he was. He was strong. He was tall, but he looks like Saul. Saul, the previous king, was tall, right? I mean, he, he was like, like um, you know, Chris Hainsworth. Like, I mean, I mean, that's what Saul kind of looked like. And so Samuel looks at Eliab and goes, okay, you know what? I think this is the guy. But the Lord had to correct Samuel in 1 Samuel 16. And this is a very famous scripture. For Samuel 1, 16, uh, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. God said to Samuel, listen, I have refused you. Listen, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Watch, even Samuel the prophet at first was looking at the wrong thing. And I'll tell you why. Because we all have an idea of what we think a person who God calls and uses should look like. This is one of the reasons why I didn't become a pastor when I was young. Because everybody that I knew was a pastor when I was in my teens was in their 60s and 70s. So I thought in order for me to be a pastor, this is what it looks like to be used by God. You have to be in your 60s and 70s. Until I saw God raising up some young preachers like Judah Smith, who was 19. He was 19. And God, he, was, he was traveling all over the world preaching the gospel. And he just so happened to preach at a camp where there was a little registrar. His name was Justin Bieber. And he preached at the camp. And then Justin Bieber's mom got a hold of Judah and says, my son needs a pastor in his life. And I'm thinking, why am I going to wait then? I can't wait till I'm 60 or 70. You know what? God wants to use our life right now where you are. Can I hear a good amen today? But you have an idea of what it looks like to be used by God. You know, what's interesting, I want to ask you this question. Are you looking at yourself just based on your outward appearance? When you look in the mirror, do you just go, man, things just don't add up? When I look in the mirror, do I look like somebody who can be used by God? Let me say it this way. Are you seeing as man sees when you look at yourself? Because here's what happens. If you just see yourself as man sees, you can even reject yourself. Because you don't look like somebody that should be used by God. You can reject yourself. Do you know that throughout the Bible, God had to, and we're going to spend some time with people. God had to spend time with people who he was calling. 
he had to actually talk them out of their own inadequacies because they didn't see themselves as God saw them. So he had to talk with them. And my concern is when you look in the mirror, you're doing what Samuel did is you're going, "Mm -mm, you know, I just don't look like that type of person. But can I just encourage you? Then you're only seeing what man sees. You have to see what God sees about your life. Come on, somebody, because that's who you truly are. And so I want to just pivot this message for a moment because I want to show you, David, not only not only does he experience the, the rejection of his family in terms of being king, but now he's going to go on to a world-famous story that we know is world-famous, but he doesn't know yet. And he's about to go to battle. He's about to go to the battlefield. And let me just tell you what happened. David got anointed, right? And he didn't go right to the palace. He actually went to the backyard because God still wanted to develop him. It's interesting that he continues to take care of his father's sheep, a father who rejected him, who didn't care for him, that he was still faithful to that. And I want you to hear this because I think this is powerful. Jesse comes to David. David's already, he's anointed king. And Jesse says, I want you to take some breads and some cheeses to your brothers. The brothers that don't like you, the brothers that rejected you. And this is what Jesse does. He says, I need you to get up early in the morning and take these breads. And obviously it was gluten-free bread. Come on, somebody. How many of you know who gluten sets free is free indeed? And so I added that. And so he takes the bread, he takes the cheeses, and he runs. He does, listen, he does exactly what his father tells him. He gets up early in the morning, and the Bible says he runs to the battlefield. He's got this food. Come on, he's door dashing it for his brothers, and he's getting over there, and he gets over there, and all of a sudden, he hears this loud voice, and he sees Goliath. I love this because, you know, he didn't even know that God, through his father, was setting him up for the opportunity of a lifetime. Goliath only came out in the morning and in the evening. And so if he would have slept in, if he would have hit that snooze button, he could have missed an opportunity that God had for him. That's why when God tells you to do something, you cannot delay. You can't hit the snooze button. You've got to go. Come on, somebody. We've got to be obedient. So he's running, Jimmy. He's running to his, his brothers with this cheese and this bread. And he hears Goliath. And Goliath comes out, starts cursing God, mocking God. And I love this. Because David starts saying, okay, hold on. What do we get if we kill that fool? What do I get if I kill that fool? Can I just tell you, if you're going to overcome rejection, you need to understand your own value. David was talking like he already won the battle. What do I get? What is, what is, is this worth for me to kill this guy? What do we get? What's the price? He's talking like a person of value. And here's what happens. Eliab hears it. And Eliab is upset. Now, Eliab, I think, is upset all the time. He's one of those offended people. And we pick it up, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. He's asking, David's asking, what do I get? And so Eliab, listen, he says, I, he heard him. He says, David, come over here. 1 Samuel 17, 28. Eliab says, I know your pride. And your insolence, that word is wickedness in the Hebrew. I know your wickedness of heart. For you have come to the battle to see the battle. Now wait, okay? Eliab is trying to define David's heart. 
The only problem with this is Eliab sees a wicked heart. God sees a heart and a man after his own heart. Can I just just suggest to you that what Eliab is doing here is what we call projection. He is projecting on somebody else what is in his own life. He is projecting. God said, and here's what we know about David's heart, he's a man after my own heart. My church family, I think this is so important because David has a heart after God. You need to be understand, you need to understand, don't be surprised when criticism comes against you in an area that you thought was your strength. David is a warrior. He has a heart after God. And one person in his life, I call this the battle before the battle because somebody is trying to define him and who he is and again, reject him. And if he is to walk away and say, Nearly I'm said I have a wicked heart. He would have never faced Goliath. Can I just tell you, if you can't put up with Eliab, forget about Goliath, because Goliath's got some things to say to you too. Come on, somebody. And he ain't going to be as, 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 as nice as this. Goliath is going to just say, hey, look, I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to feed you to the bird. <laughs> and what I'm trying to do today, my church family, is I'm trying to get this warrior spirit back in you where we're going to have to stand up. And there are people who aren't going to define you the way that God defines you. And you're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to put more, listen, more weight in what they say or more weight in what God says. More weight in what they say or more weight in what God says. Listen, this is exactly what the enemy does. The enemy will try to capitalize on your weaknesses, but he's also going to criticize your strengths. David was a warrior. He'd already up, tore up a lion. He's already tore up a bear. And it's almost like someone says, you ain't all that. You ain't a warrior. If you don't know you, who you are, if you don't know your value, you will walk away from one of the greatest miracles that God has for you. David and Goliath is one of the biggest stories, most famous stories besides Jesus dying on the cross. Little kids know it. And he had, to, he had a battle before the battle. He was rejected right before he went to Goliath. But I want you to notice David's response to Iliad. It's not a lot. Can I just encourage you? When people criticize you, you don't have to go and send them five paragraphs in text. David says one thing. Look at what he says. He says, I know your pride and the insolent wickedness of your heart. You've just come down to see the battle, verse 29. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not? A cause. That's it. And then he kept asking, what does this person get if we kill Goliath? My church family, listen, you need to understand your calling is attached to a cause. Your calling is attached to a cause. Jesus said this in John chapter 18, verse 37, for this cause, I was born for this cause. He looked at Pontius Pilate and he said this, he says, for this cause, I came into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. See, your calling has a cause attached to it. Listen to me. I want to help everybody. This is why the reasons why you have conflict in your life, because conflict arises because of the cause. Hmm. The purpose of your life is to solve a problem. If you walk away 
because you can't overcome rejection, you'll never kill the giants that you were meant to kill. And David, Goliath didn't know, but he had David written all over on him. That was his. It's interesting because you know how you can find out a lot about your purpose? Is what frustrates you the most. All of the children of Israel aren't saying anything. They're just, actually, they're, 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 they're scurred. And they're walking back. And David just hears what Goliath says, and he's irritated. You know, I really believe the things that irritate you are the things that you're called to change. Can I tell you what irritates me? When people aren't organized. I, it irritates me. It may not bother anybody, but it bothers me. When I go to a party and they tell me it starts at, you know, whatever, six, and then we get there and we're there at like six, six fifteen, and they're like, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're not starting until like 830. Hey, so you know what? I've realized part of my gifting is excellence. That's why we're here at this school. But you know what? When you walk into the school, we want to make sure all the trash is picked up, that it's nice, that it's excellent, because we represent the Lord. Can I hear a good amen today? But what I'm just telling you is what may irritate me may not irritate you. But the truth is, is what irritates you is a good indication of the giant that you're supposed to kill. And so um, David is irritated with Goliath. Now, here's something that Eliab doesn't realize, and I want you to realize as we close today. When Goliath dies, it's good for everybody. Not just David. Oh, David's going to get his. But it's good for everybody. And what I want you to see is that Eliab is so blinded by his own anger and his own fear that he doesn't realize this. Because of where Eliab's heart was, he doesn't even realize that David was there for him. Why was David there? Because he was pride and full and he was wicked. No, David was there, number one, to serve his brothers and give them Jesus and bread. And what Eliab doesn't realize is another reason why David was there is because God wanted to use David, called him and anoint him to kill Goliath because that would inspire all of the warriors to rise up. But Eliab doesn't see it. But my church family, I want you to see it. Why do I want you to see it? Listen, because oftentimes the people who reject you are the very people that you're there for. I can prove it. Jake, Joseph, his brothers rejected him, put him on Craigslist, tried to sell him, threw him in a pit, right? Then they did sell him. He went to Potiphar's house. And can I just give it to you in a nutshell? The whole reason why they hated him, they hated his dream, but because they didn't understand and their hearts weren't right, they didn't realize that the dream that God gave Joseph would actually even save their whole lives. And you know what? The Bible never says that Joseph complained one time. His heart never got bitter. And when he stood before them, when he finally became second, listen, before, before he stood, when he became second in, in, uh, in Pharaoh's court, and they came, he forgave them all. He played with them a little bit. But listen, Joseph was mature enough to realize that the dream God gave me is good for everybody. That in a time of fanner, famine, listen, his own brothers ate because Joseph was faithful and Joseph didn't give in to rejection. He overcame it. 
And the song that we sang is actually what Joseph said. He said, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned the whole thing around for good. What about Jesus? Jesus came to his own, right? And some of them didn't receive, but listen, but they that received there, them, who's them? They that received, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. So Phil, why would I try to reach people if they just will reject me? Here's why. Because the rewards are greater than the risk. Watch this. Because the rewards are greater than the pain of rejection. People were spitting on Jesus, but they didn't even realize he was dying for them. The Roman soldiers that were putting his, their nails in his hands, he was dying for. And I want to say it again, and we're going to close. There will be some who will reject you, but there will be some who your life will impact in such a way that it will be transformative. Can you imagine if Jesus judged his ministry by what the Pharisees said? Can you imagine if Jesus put on a spreadsheet how many people walked away? The rich young ruler, bloop. He was calling him to be a disciple. The Pharisees, his own people. So you can't put your trust in people. My church family, the same people that were putting down the, the palms when he was coming in on Palm Sunday, right, were the same people who were yelling Barabbas. And he took and he looked to Pilate. He said, but this is the cause. Write this down. I'm going to close. This is what I love about David. 14, 15-year-old kid and the maturity. He would say this to you. The cause is greater than the criticism. That's why I'm here today. That's why I keep moving because the cause is greater. And I want to ask you this question. Is there not a cause today that people are hurting? Yeah, some may reject, but you know what? Some we can save. Some will be healed. Come on. Some will be in heaven because you decided to make a stand and say, you know what? You can reject me, but I'm going to keep going because I am called of God. And if God can use anyone, he can use me. Come on. Can you give him a great round of applause today? The rewards are greater than the rejection. Would you stand with me today? The rewards, how many of you think David would say that now? I killed Goliath, but you know what? The rewards of killing him, I got a woman, I got riches. That's what the Bible says. He got Saul's daughter. But are you going to die with the pain of rejection because your own brother has a wicked heart? I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Today, as I pray, I'm going to pray two prayers because I realize that there are some of you in here that you've really been rejected. And I love what the Bible says because it was strategic on Jesus' part. The Bible says that Jesus was despised and rejected. And he was despised and rejected for us so we could overcome rejection. And he was despised and rejected of people and then, my church family, he was rejected by his own father. 
on the cross, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was the first time in eternity that Jesus never called God his father. He called him my God because he was rejected. You know why? He was rejected so you could be accepted by the father. He was rejected by people so you could be healed of all the wounds of the rejection that you have experienced. Isn't it amazing that sometimes I would say 90% of the wounds that hurt us the most are from people who are close to us. That's what David, that's what David did. Jesus' own disciples, Peter denied him. Somebody on Jesus' team committed suicide. That's tough. Judas. But you know what? Jesus fulfilled his calling. And I want to tell you today that God wants to heal you of rejection. Because you need to understand your value if you're going to overcome rejection. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your people who you've not only saved, but you've called. And Lord, some of us in this room and watching online today, man, they've been hurt. People have abandoned them. People have said things about them, have called them names. And Lord, I just pray right now for healing in their hearts, Father God. And I just pray, Lord, that we won't have a hard heart and that we would forgive those people who maybe didn't see the calling, that didn't approve us, didn't validate who we thought that we even should be. But Lord, I pray right now for healing. I want you to know, Passion Life Church, that you are accepted by God. But I will tell you, you do have to forgive those people who have hurt you. That's why Jesus said on the cross, it's one of my favorite lines when people do crazy things to me. I love what Jesus said. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, Pastor Phil, they knew what they did. Can I just be honest with you? In the grand scheme of things, they really don't know what they did because there's a domino effect to people's choices. And they thought they knew what they did, but I love what Jesus said. He just said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And today, if you're gonna be free, we gotta forgive and let, let it go and receive healing today. Well, I want you to know that God values you. I want you to know that there's forgiveness for you, but I also want you to know that God paid a hefty price for your salvation. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus, who died on the cross. Lord, I pray right now that you would heal people. Come on, if you need some healing today, would you just lift your hands? Just put them out. Father, I thank you that we receive just as a sign that we receive. Lord, we receive today. Father, I speak life over your people. I speak that they are a chosen people, a chosen generation, Father. I speak over your people that they are your sons and your daughters. Lord, I thank you that they are called by you. Father, I thank you that you are and have anointed them in the name of Jesus. And Lord, right now we let go of what's going on with our enemies because we know that you anoint us in the presence of our brothers who don't even see what you see. But Lord, I pray today for supernatural vision in people's lives. I pray that you would open their eyes so they can see how you see them. The warrior that's in them. Father, to be able to stand for the cause and the calling. And what is the cause? The cause of Christ. To be able to be ministers of reconciliation to our world. I thank you.
Thank you. Lord, if you can use anyone, use us. We thank you that we're forgiven. We thank you that we are free. We thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just stay here for just a moment. We're going to pray. Uh, Rosa, I'm so glad to see you here at church. So glad. When you showed up, I was just overjoyed. For those of you who don't know, Rosa's been with us for a long time, and they've had some health issues in their family. But I just felt as we were praying today, don't despise yourself. Because the past is under the blood of Jesus. And I just had this sense of God, like, using you so powerfully. Like, I'm talking about, like, powerfully. Where when you look in the mirror, you go, whoa, who's that? It's going to be so different. And God sees your heart today, and he sees your, your effort and your faith, and he's going to meet you right there. Will you come over here just real quick? Let me just put my hand on you, and let me just pray for you. Guys, would you just extend your hands this way? Come on. Just lift your hands. Father God, I see strength. Strengthen her. Strength to flow through her, Father, today in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Strength, uncommon, supernatural. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Rosa, you're an influencer. You are influencing more people than you can even know. And God wants to highlight that today. And I just see this woman with a glow around her, light shining, and, and, and just moving things that are immovable. And I feel like the Lord, you're going to touch people that other people won't ever get to, but you can't despise yourself. And I just keep hearing over and over the past. You have to let the past go. It's over. It's under the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that finances are coming to her in the name of Jesus. It's, It's going to be different from here on out. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. Don't let a past define you. Let God do it. He's working in the name of Jesus. We thank you. Do you receive that? Look at me just real quick. God doesn't see what man sees. Because man looks at the outward. God looks at the heart. And it's a new day. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.